This is a WTOP original podcast. Welcome to another episode of The Vine Guy, a WTOP news podcast. I'm your host, Scott Greenberg. And today I'm joined by Ross Halleck, owner and vintner of Halleck Vineyards. And I got to tell you, it's a very, very big pleasure to have Ross with me on the podcast today. He has provided the vision and passion behind Halleck Vineyard. He embarked on this wine career really unconventionally. He founded Halleck Inc. in 1980. Now get this, as one of the preeminent brand and marketing agencies in Silicon Valley, probably before Silicon Valley was even Silicon Valley. Talk about vision. Now he's pursuing his personal interests. Ross actually focused in both the high technology world and wine, maintaining offices in both Palo Alto and Sebastopol, California. Companies like HP and Apple and Bolillo Vineyards and St. Superi Vineyards, along with Kendall Jackson and Iron Horse and Jordan Winery, they've all worked with Ross to enhance their brands. He moved to Sonoma in 1991 with then-girlfriend Jennifer to develop a Pinot Noir vineyard in Sonoma Coast. Once married, Ross and Jennifer dedicated their efforts in the vineyard to putting their future children through college. They planted their first vineyard in 1993, and their first harvest was in 1999. No longer married to each other, Ross and Jennifer have really redefined family, continuing to work harmoniously in the winery and in coaching their sons. Ross and Jennifer are the parents of three sons, and he is now focused on a singular career of Halleck Vineyard. Ross, thank you so much for being here on the podcast. Well, it's certainly my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me to join you. Well, I have to say, I'm going to start with the story of Ross and Jennifer, Two kids, they move to Sonoma, uh, 91, they get married, they start a vineyard, they don't stay married, and they're still together. I got to know what's the secret. Well, I wish I knew. Um, I would say Jennifer has a lot to do with that. She held a very high bar. I would like to say that we loved a couple of things more than we didn't love each other. And the first were our children. And so uh, each of us devoted to them uh, managed our behavior to um, support their well-being. And the other thing that we love was this fourth child, uh, which was Halleck Vineyard, which we continue to love and cherish together and mutually um, these many years hence. Well, I have to say that's a pretty unique story. I'm not aware of many couples that could get divorced and still end up not just working together, but really thriving together. I think that's a, that's a great happy ending, at least from that point of view. Well, we're quite happy and we're grateful to each other and actually really get a kick out of working together. I'll tell you who else is grateful. It's the Find Your Light Foundation. Now, uh, you and I virtually met a couple of weeks ago during a virtual wine tasting that you and the very famous Josh Groban put on together. It turns out that the two of you have collaborated on a Pinot Noir called Find Your Light Pinot Noir. I'm, I'm really, and by the way, it was a fantastic event. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed your comments about the wine. I really loved Josh's enthusiasm for the project. It was really infectious. And thank you again for including me in that wonderful virtual tasting. Well, it was certainly a joy for us. I, we, we had a blast. I, and I think we were both quite surprised how much fun we both had 
um, having the opportunity for really the first time to taste through all of the vintages we made together. And it's a, you know, he's a very busy guy to have the moments like 45 minutes to drink wines that we created together to make the world a better place. I mean, it was uh, it was a, a gift for both of us to spend that. Time. Yeah, it was it was very cool. So I, I got to ask, how did this all come about? I'm going to ask you two questions. First is, how did it come about? How did you meet Josh? And then tell me a little bit about the Find Your Light Foundation. So um, how I met Josh was really quite unexpected. I got a call. Josh was in a show on Broadway called Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812, for which he received a Tony nomination. I guess he and the cast had gone to dinner at a nearby restaurant uh, called Del Frisco's, which serves our wine. And he had the opportunity to taste the wine and was bowled over by it and called me. He called you. If I would, yeah, asked me, I guess he Googled me <laughs> and asked me if I, that he said, you know, hi, my name is Josh Groban. And um, I am doing a show on Broadway and we tasted your wine and I fell in love with it and I did some research about you and I've always wanted to make wine. Would you like to make wine together? Okay, so at this point, did, did you think, as the kids would say, did you think you were getting punked? I mean, did you I immediately believe- I didn't know who was. I'd never heard of him before. <laughs> so <laughs> your initial reaction was great? Yeah, let's do it. No, no. My initial reaction was, you know, I'm really flattered, but, you know, we're, you know, we're a small family winery and, you know, making a Josh Groban wine was kind of not on our roadmap, to, you know, and I, I, I invited him to be a member of our wine club and that we would come and see him on Broadway. We, we, we do these trips together, my wine club and I, and, you know, we travel all around the world. And I said, we'll come to New York. We'll see you on Broadway. We'll do a vintner dinner together. You can come join us for dinner, but you know, making a Josh Groban wine, I, I, you know, thanks, but I wouldn't even know how to begin. And instead, he, he responded, he goes, well, I'm so glad you said that. He said, I don't want to make a Josh Groban wine. He says, I don't even want or care if my name is on the label. I noticed from reading about you that you do a lot for charity. Um, I'd like to make a wine with you, uh, a Halleck Vineyard wine, to benefit my charity and I said, oh, well, now that sounds interesting. You know, tell me a little bit about your charity. And he said, it's called the Find Your Light Foundation. And I was like, whoa, that's, that's a pretty big title. Um, you know, what do you do? Find your light. And he, and he said, well, we fund arts education in the United States. I said, my gosh, I have three sons. They are all artists. They all went really? to the public schools. All those programs are at risk. Like, I, I couldn't be more. I'm in. I mean, I'm, I'm in. And so um, that's how it began. And, you know, we've made four vintages together and, and we got to taste three. The first one sold out in an instant. The next three were a little slower and we, we had and, and we managed it a little better. So we actually had three to taste uh, for our, our tasting. Uh, I guess it was two weeks ago now. Yeah. So they're all Pinot Noir, correct? Yes, they're all Pinot Noir. Now, I know you're a Pinot Noir vintner. But was this a choice that Josh made? He's like, look, I love your Pinot Noir, and, and it would be awesome if we could do a Pinot Noir for the Find Your Light Foundation? Yes. Okay. He's a big Pinot Noir fan. Well, the way he was talking about it during the tasting, you would have thought he was going to just dive in and start doing laps. 
<laughs> he, he is, he's a passionate man on a lot of fronts and it's evident in his voice. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we, we sort of connect around Pinot Noir. It's, uh, and I'm, I'm flattered how much he appreciates our style and, and how we make Pinot Noir. And, and it's been an absolute joy to, to work with him and, uh, showing him the ropes and, and crafting a wine to his palate. Well, speaking of passionate, you were pretty passionate in the tasting as well. I mean, the way you were describing the wines, and I know you have three children that you love very much, but I got to tell you, when you said the vineyard was your fourth child, you could literally hear it in your voice as you're describing these wines. They're absolutely, you, you were enthusiastic and you were quite infectious with your enthusiasm. Now, I do understand that the Halleck's uh, range of Pinot Noirs, you have a number of different bottlings, correct? I mean, it's not, we're not just talking about the Josh Groban uh, no. Pinot Noirs. You, you have a lot of different Pinot Noirs that Alec Vineyard offers. Well, yeah, I, I'd say we're, we're in deep into Pinot Noir. And, you know, to give some dimension to that, you know, I kind of grew up on wine in the era where Cab was king, right? And uh, I like to describe, if I were to describe, um, if I were to take a, um, a pie chart and say, you know, what is great cab, you know, it's between like, you know, uh, 1130 and 1230. That little sliver is really great cab. And you can, you know, you can identify it. You can put a number on it. You can be at a party and, and everybody will know what's great cab. Uh, Pinot, on the other hand, is, you know, great Pinot between let's say um, a, a, a big fruit forward Russian river uh, Valley Pinot Noir and a grand Cru Burgundy, all great Pinot is between, you know, 10 and two and you not, might not like them all. And so we make a broad range of Pinot Noirs all from this area and they're very site specific. And so even though um, it, it looks like we make, you know, a lot of the same wine, they're really, really quite distinctive. What are the different, Vineyards, what's the different terroir? When you said there, you, you make a wide range from, from site-specific. What are those sites? We have a, um, one from our estate. It's called our estate grown. That's our tete de cuvee. That's our, our top of the line. And it's, it's really as close to Grand Cru Burgundy as you'll find in California. I don't mean to be self-serving, but, you know, many, many people have told me that. It's, it's really an incredibly complex, earthy, and with, with a, a, a really nice balance of fruit. Uh, we have a, a vineyard called the Farm Vineyard, which is uh, a vineyard that we've been har we've been farming since its very first vintage, its very first crop uh, since about 19. I'm trying to remember. I'm um, no, probably in about 2002 or 2003. Um, and it is organic three acre vineyard. Uh, we have the Haas Vineyard, which is uh, farmed by a gentleman named Peter Haas, who uh, someone else who I'd never heard of, but turns out to be quite uh, significant in the in the world. It's a little two-acre vineyard behind his home in uh, Glen Ellen, and uh, Peter turns out to, you know, be the member of the Haas family that started Levi Strauss, and we've become real, really dear friends. And it, it was just um, one of those another situation where I didn't know who he was, and and uh, turns out he's um, a big supporter of the arts and has joined forces with us. Uh, with the Find Your Light Pinot Noir, uh, simply because Josh picked his barrel out of many, many others as the one that he wanted as the base wine for uh, his uh, Find Your Light Pinot Noir. That was just an absolute confluence 
of circumstances. I would say it's pure synchronicity. So I want to back up. So you, you talked about a couple of these different vineyards. Can you tell me actually where they are? For example, where's your estate vineyard located? Our estate vineyard is uh, on, it's, it's the Sonoma Coast um, American Viticultural Area, so AVA. Where I can see the ocean from the top of our property, and I can see Mount St. Helena on the other side of the property. So it's at about 800 feet of elevation and in western Sonoma County. Uh, the Haas Vineyard, on the other hand, is in Sonoma Mountain. So it's down in, you know, people are listening to this from many parts of the country, so they're not so familiar with with Sonoma County. Sonoma County is is very large. It takes three hours to drive from one end of Sonoma County to the other. Sonoma Mountain is maybe about, you know, 10 or 12 miles from us as the crow flies, uh, but it's an entirely different climate. It's south and east of where we are at Halleck Vineyard. Let's see, the farm vineyard is just a few miles from us, uh, maybe two, three, three or four miles, and it's closer to the town of Sebastopol. We have another vineyard uh, from which we harvest Clone 828, which is another Sonoma Coast AVA, and that is a single vineyard, single clone Pinot Noir. I think that represents our single vineyards, uh, our, th- our single vineyard Pinot Noirs. We, we buy from other vineyards and we create a couple of blends, uh, and it's 100% Pinot Noir, but blended vineyards. One is called the Three Sons Cuvée, named after, no surprise, my three sons, not the Fred McMurray, my three, three sons, excuse me for dating myself, but my, I have three sons, and their names and ages are on the bottle, and, they, and this was uh, intended as their college fund. And then we have another, and that's a Russian River Pinot Noir, and then we have a Hillside Cuvée, uh, a cuvee obviously representing blend, and that is a Sonoma Coast uh, blend of Pinot Noir. So, so let's go back to the, uh, well, that's the, and by the way, you and I both have two things in common. We both have three sons approximately the same age, which is pretty cool. Almost exactly the same age, yeah. Which is wild, and which is probably even a more wild coincidence. We both have dogs named Frankie. Yes, that, that is, that's a surprise as well. And as we talk, I see your Frankie is curled up next to you right there on the, uh, the couch. So very cool. Yeah. I want to go back to the Grand Cru Burgundy comment. And coming from your estate vineyard on the Sonoma Coast, where you, you mentioned that you could see the ocean, what is it about that particular site that you think reminds you of the Grand Cru Burgundies? Well, um, Huh, that's an interesting question about the site. You know, I, I don't have enough familiarity with uh, the Grand Cru Burgundies to describe, to compare and contrast the sites. Um, what I can compare and co- contrast is the flavor profile. I would say that if you were to describe a Grand Cru Burgundy many times, uh, people would describe it as tasting like dirt and or there are some other... Uh, affectionate terms, uh, savage or animal, that uh, are used to describe a Grand Cru Burgundy, that you know speak to terroir in the more literal sense as earth. And one would even wonder why you would drink it until you have it with a duck breast or a leg of lamb, and then all of a sudden you have this involuntary response of your eyes going to the back of your head and your leg pounding on the floor involuntarily. Um, In my case, salivating. Yeah. 
And then, you know, if I were to describe a classic Russian River Pinot Noir from this neck of the woods, you know, it's considered as fruit forward, dark cherry notes, you know, maybe some spice, but really kind of leading with that, those fruit notes, which oftentimes in, in, a, in, a, in a Grand Cru Bergen, you won't even, it, it, you, you're hard to, hard pressed to find. Well, the estate grown has this amazing balance of those two. It does lead with earthy notes, which you don't find often in a California Pinot Noir. It has the sauvage, the, the, the animal, you know, um, I like to describe it as wet sex, but it also has this beautiful complement of deep, dark uh, fruit notes with spices like clove and cinnamon and uh, black pepper and white pepper. All of that sort of come in layers, really rewards the, the drinker with a, a huge amount of enjoyment. I've also heard different vintners describe the Sonoma Pinot Noirs as being maybe a little more masculine and the French Burgundies being a little more feminine uh, in terms of just style. And so it's very interesting that your wines seem to have this wonderful blend of both worlds. Hats off to you. That's a wonderful, wonderful compliment that you're able to take those two worlds and, and put them together in that way and describe the wine in that way. But you also have another interesting variety that does not get a lot of attention in California, and in particular Sonoma, and it happens to be one of my favorite varieties, Gewürztraminer. I mean, that's pretty rare to find Gewürz in Sonoma. How did that happen? I mean, that goes long back. I spent my young adulthood in Kenya, of all places. Kenya was a British colony. It had just recently become independent. And if you remember, India was also a British colony. So I'm gonna go back even further and, and say that I'm fr from a, a little town in the Midwest called Rockford, Illinois. And uh, when you went out for ethnic food in Rockford, Illinois, it was generally Italian. That was ethnic food. In Kenya, uh, as a once British colony, India as also a British colony, the merchant class in Kenya at that time was primarily Indian. They owned a lot of businesses, they owned a lot of buildings, and there were a lot of restaurants. And so I was introduced to Indian food as, um, you know, probably at 20 years old. And I've always been a taster and when I tasted Indian food for the first time, I could not believe such a party could happen in your mouth. I was absolutely floored by the adventure of tasting Indian food. And they served an uh, Alsatian white, an AOC, uh, Gewürztraminer as a chutney in Indian restaurants there. You could always get a Gewürztraminer. I mean, here we think of Indian food and beer, um, and they served, you know, Taj Mahal and, and Kingfisher, the standard Indian beers there. But they also served these French uh, Alsatian whites. And that pairing was so incredible to me. And when I got back to the United States, you couldn't get Indian food for love or money. This is the 1970s. And so I took Indian cooking from a woman in her kitchen in San Francisco for six weeks. I started making Indian food. When I started making wine, I wanted to make a wine that went with my Indian food. And so I decided I would make a Wurzstraminer. 
Now, I have to tell you, to your point, I mean, everybody told me I was crazy to make a bird's demeanor. They said, number one, nobody eats Indian food. So like, what are you thinking? And this is back in the early 2000s. That's certainly changed. They also said nobody can pronounce it. And <laughs> if it is on a menu and, you know, people are in, in, intimidated enough by wine. If they see something they can't understand or, or can't pronounce and the wait staff are not familiar with it and they can't pronounce it, that wine will not sell. And I said, well, you know, I still want to make a wine to go with my Indian food. And so we made it anyway. I thought we'd make you know, enough. If we had to, we'd ha we could drink it. But, in, it, you know, ironically, that that is our fastest selling wine. It sells out first before any of other wines. It'll be gone by October, like a month. Um, and not because it goes so great with Indian food, but it just so happens to go amazingly with Thanksgiving turkey. And uh, we have a very avid and, and loyal wine club, and they all get Gewurztraminer for their Thanksgiving meal with with a, with a compliment of Pinot Noir. So that's the, that's the the story behind uh, making Gewurz. Well, those are the two wines that are usually on our table every Thanksgiving: Gewurz yeah. and and Pinot Noir. I mean, how can you go wrong? How can you go wrong? They're perfect. They're perfect uh, Thanksgiving fare. Well, that's a perfect segue into the next segment of what's in your glass. So now you have to, because we are doing this virtually, I wish I had the wines in front of me, but <laughs> I'm going to ask you to please open two wines and talk about them as you taste them. And if you could just see what I just saw, Ross just opened up, uncorked a bottle with his teeth, which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I, as I like to say, don't do this at home. I'm a professional. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we pouring first, Ross? We're going to pour um, the topic of our most recent conversation. This dry Gewurztraminer is a 2019 uh, Calendrelli vineyard. So this is a single vineyard dry Gewurz. We've been making wine from this vineyard maybe about four years. Uh, we've been, we were very, very fortunate last year that it was um, anointed the number one white wine. Get this, white wine, because we we're, we're as surprised as you are. This is, this is an esoteric wine. But it was uh, awarded 99 points in the number one white wine in the state of California by the California State Fair. Wow. So um, I um, simply adore this wine. It leads with these wonderful notes of rose petals and lychee and uh, honeysuckle and screams that it's going to be stick to the roof of your mouth sweet. But the delightful and I think really unique part of, part of this wine is that it is bone, bone dry. There is zero residual sugar in this wine. Wow. Now you said that your wine club members, this is a big seller, sells out every year. I don't know how much of this you make, but I am, am I assuming that, is this available to the general public or, or is this really a, a wine club member, wine only? It is, it is a, available to the general public. You can go to our website and buy it. And um, we encourage it because we're co constantly trying to enhance our, our community. We're trying to build our community and, and we make more of this wine every year just for that purpose. I mean, that's true of all of our wines. I will tell you that, that when the um, club shipment goes out in early October, the uh, quantity of this wine is depleted significantly. And so there's, there's not much left, you know, into December, you know, it, it pretty much gets, gets um, whittled away 
until the, you know, the week before Thanksgiving and then it's gone. And what's the, what's the retail pricing on this? It's $45. Wow. I gotta say that looks amazing. I'm looking at this great. That just looks like a beautiful wine. And you're not helping me by actually licking the bottom of your glass. Here, I'll give you a little. Oh, thanks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're just making this tougher on me. He's showing me the bottle right now through the camera screen. And yikes. So what's, uh, what's wine number two? What else do you have for us today? Wine number two is, as I referred to earlier, named after my three sons, is Three Sons Cuvée. It is a, uh, a Russian River blend of Pinot Noir. This is a 2017, our current vintage. And, um, you know, I would say this is my sort of everyday go-to wine. Um, I like to affectionately call it a perfect Pinot Noir. And I don't mean that to be self-serving. It's just, it just has that beautiful balance between earth and fruit that makes it um, absolutely enjoyable to drink with a lot of different foods. And it's also a price point that is a great entry level for, you know, exceptional Pinot Noir. It's at $49. So uh, it's great value. And, you know, we think of it as our handshake wine because this is the wine that is served at most restaurants that carry our wines. I'll serve this by the glass. And you mentioned that it's a cuvee, so I assume it's coming from several different vineyard sites? It is. It is a cuvee from several different vineyard sites, um, but it is 100% Pinot Noir. So there's no uh, deepening the color with, uh, with Syrah or, you know, any, any kind of funny little tricks of the trade like that. It's, uh, it's 100% Pinot. And I mean, it has a beautiful sort of translucent ruby-like color leads with right out of the gate a deep dark cherry note but then you know it doesn't take long for it to reveal the um the spices a touch of clove touch of cinnamon black pepper and then when you when you taste it you know what what really comes through is of course you're expecting the cherry so that you get the fruit right away you're sort of anticipating the the spices but then underpinning all of that is this, this flavor we affectionately describe as, as forest floor, which is the, the taste you would anticipate as you're walking through a damp forest in the morning, that aroma that comes up and, and what you might interpret that to be a flavor comes through the wine and balances beautifully with the fruit and gives it sort of the earthy, mushroomy touch that is the hat tip to Burgundy that we're always hoping for in all of our wines. Now, because it's it's named the Three Sons Cuvée, do your three boys get any of these bottles? Oh, sure <laughs> I hope they, they do. do. Sure they do. Sure they do. And they uh, they drink them proudly, and uh, we make sure. I mean, they're they're surprisingly uh, conscientious in terms of their asks. Uh, we make sure they have them, but and and they're they all enjoy nice wines, but they're not hazards uh, as they as as we like to say amongst lawnsmen. You know they're they're always appreciative when we send it to them, and they're never like asking or you know cajoling for a case here or a case there. They're really really quite considerate of that. Now I don't own a vineyard, but but my kids do cajole. <laughs> 
<laughs> my three boys are constantly saying, hey, dad, how about a little more of a X, Y, or Z? So, although um, I will say that one of the things that we did do is we consciously bought wines from their birth years very early on. And it has been a blast on on certain occasions to be able to able to open some of these bottles with them. It's been a lot of fun. And you know what else has been a lot of fun, Ross, is my time with you today. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. I genuinely appreciate you taking the time to meet with me today, albeit oh, virtually. Thank you so much for inviting me. My, my pleasure entirely. Well, I, I'm looking forward to the next virtual tasting and maybe at the next one, I'll actually be in a state that allows me to receive wine shipments. I hope so. And or you'll come and visit me, and and we'll have a, we'll have a, a a a real tasting. Oh, I like that. That's an, you know what? That's an even better idea. Let's let's make a date. Okay. Thanks again. I have an open invitation. I appreciate it. I'll be there. Okay. That'll do it for this episode of the Vine Guy, a WTOP news podcast. This episode was produced by Sarah Beth Hensley, and the music you heard is "Wishful Thinking" by Dan Lebowitz, available in the YouTube audio library. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter and catch my Wine of the Week show every Friday on WTOP and WTOP.com. And remember, until the next time, do good, drink well. 